The Hershey Bears are headed to the Calder Cup final. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked on Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at Locked On Cap. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, I have Corey Swartz and Richard Blosser on the show here as we talk about the Hershey Bears as they are headed for the Calder Cup. What does that mean? We'll then talk about Ethan Frank's decline and subsequent scratch in the playoffs and what to expect in the Calder Cup Finals. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Corey Swartz on the show from Bears Hockey Nation and Field Pass Hockey, and Richard Blosser, the host of the Grit and Barrett podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Dan and Caps Nation. Thank you for joining us as well. Truly a great time of year when we're talking about Bears hockey. Checks notes on June June 5th and into the month of June. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited about this, guys. I got to be honest with you. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom after the end of the Capitol season. And then all of a sudden, the Hershey Bears were this phoenix that was rising up through all of it, kind of saving the Capitals franchise, you know, to a certain extent as far as the postseason is concerned. And just something to be excited about here. And the Hershey Bears have def- definitely done that. This will be the Bears' 24th Calder Cup final appearance and their first time back in the final since 2016 when it was swept by the Cleveland Monsters. The Bears won back-to-back titles in 09 and 10 and have the most titles in A. HL history. So, uh, Corey, this team is no stranger to the Calder Cup Finals. Tell me what this means for you. Uh, even so, I mean, you said there's a lot of years there, 2016, 2010. It feels like it's been longer than that, honestly. It feels like we've been, you know, hoping for it, thinking about it for a long time. Obviously, we had a couple of years that were, you know, impacted and negated by, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic. But it's been fantastic to be back to this point in talking about hockey in June for the bears. It's been seemingly an eternity, even longer when you consider the bears haven't actually won a game in the Calder cup final since 2010, when Brian Helmer and the bears hoisted the cup at giant center, uh, you know, almost uh, checks notes 13 years ago to the, to the day, almost uh, in a couple of days here, but it's, it's exciting. You know, it's been something special brewing with the bears. There's been a lot of great personnel. It's kind of come and gone. And, you know, this core group they have here is kind of the, the sum of that, you know, that experience here, some new pieces, some guys that have been here, you know, for fi- last five or so years, it seems like. So it's been kind of a nice reward for this, this group of prospects for the caps that, you know, most of them are looking beyond this to, you know, be key members of the Washington Capitals here in the not so distant future anymore, especially with uh, Spencer Carberry taking the helm there most likely. So it's exciting to be here, you know, just thrilled for this group, you know, really just excited to get back to the giant center for some June hockey, like old times. 
It is most exciting in the Giant Center. I was, I've only been there one time, but the one time I was there, I was there with my wife on my 40th birthday, and I was looking around. I'm like, this is an AHL facility. This, uh, you know, seemed like an NHL place, you know, a venue, an arena to see a game. I was most impressed when I was there. Richard, let's, let's just get into it here. What is behind the Bears' success? Would you say it's the head coaching? Uh, would you say it's some of the players? Would you say it's a combination? Or for you, what do you attribute the Bears' success and their being in the Calder Cup final? There are two main reasons as to why the team is, is made as far as they did. The first is depth scoring. Um, and we'll talk about a player here eventually who's not really contributed but the fact that we're getting goals from players like uh, Alexi Protoss, defenseman Logan Day, Lucas Johansson getting a game winner about a week ago up in Rochester, um, Beck Malenstein getting into this as well, just players you don't usually see on the score sheet and players that that there's not real one player that's taking over um, in the playoffs that I think it was before the Rochester series started. There's like eight Bears players. I think Corey may back me up on this. Like only a handful of Bears players that only have like three or four goals. But it's getting score up and down the line carded. It's not just like Connor McMichael has like 10 goals and nine assists. It's contributions up and down the lineup. And another one has been Hunter Shepard, who has been the rock behind the Bears this, this season or the shepherd of the Bears per se that – that um, I know I'm horrible. Um, that 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 especially in this series, he had two bad games: game one and game five uh, against Rochester, and he responded both games by getting shutouts at home and the clinching game six. That any doubt that that he's had a bad game, he's responded in kind. So it's just those are two big factors as to why the Bears have gotten as far as they have. And uh, taking a look at it here in the last game in particular here, Corey, uh, Gersich really showed up big, a name that's no stranger to the Capitals organization from North Dakota. Talk to me a little bit about him. I know that he has had some experience playing up in the big team in D.C. here. Tell me about how big of a role he's playing with the Bears this season. It's been fantastic, like Richard alluded to with depth scoring. I mean, he's another guy that's come through. He was a victim of the the numbers game in a sense there that he d hasn't played all of the playoff games. You know, he's only gotten into duty due to injuries at times for the Bears. And, you know, he comes through with a clutch goal in that fourth line that's been, you know, a secret weapon of sorts for the Bears with Riley Sutter and Beck Malenstein and, uh, you know, most often Mason Morelli. But since he was promoted up, they got Shane on that line and, you know, he comes through with a clutch goal, a second career playoff goal and first, of course, of this run. And it's just, you know, it's as Richard said, you know, the Lucas Johansson's, the Vincent Iorio's, the guys that, you know, Logan Day especially always comes to mind when you think of uh, depth scoring there. Logan May is uh, they were calling him around mm -hmm. here for his contributions in the month of May. You know, just some guys, you know, Gersich is just the latest one to come in and, you know, he's been there for most of the season. You know, it's it's a shame that he hasn't had a consistent role to this point, but you know, you just got so many guys that are just chipping in and, you know, it's not just one guy and that's been their strength is that, you know, where one guy doesn't pick up something, you know, or gets checked, there's another guy following him up here that can also put the puck in the back of the net. So, you know, Shingers is just the latest success story of the overall, you know, team nature of Hershey's success in these playoffs. 
And just taking a look at the statistics overall from the regular season, there are a lot of players on this team that can score a lot of goals. I'm kind of talking to you guys. You all know this, but, you know, this is Capitals fans here as well that might not be as familiar with the Bears organization. Scarbosa had 21 goals, Vecchioni 23, Ethan Frank 30. Um, there are, you know, and Connor McMichael, of course, a name that's familiar to the Capitals organization with 16 goals. You know, just taking a look at McMichael being that he's a name, I would say, that's the most familiar to the Capitals organization and their fans is a guy that got sent down to Hershey. And, you know, some of the, you know, once they get up to the big team, the Capitals, I think they think to themselves, I'm here and I've arrived. But as it turns out, he was a healthy scratch for a good chunk of last season for the Capitals. And he went down to Hershey and he made the most of his opportunity. He didn't sulk. He didn't, you know, say, woe is me. He made the most of his opportunity, which speaks, you know, more about him, I guess, than even his play on the ice is his maturity. Talk to me about Connor McMichael, Richard, and, and what, how is he contributing to this team? And talk about that he is mature, in my opinion, and maybe yours as well, beyond his years. He's taken a good amount of steps forward. Um, I think one thing that that I think the Capitals were were um, wanting to see out of him was more defense. Was that we know he's talented offensively. That's never been the question. But of course, you got to play both sides of the ice. And gone are the days when you could just have wingers and centers just hang out at the point and then just play all offense. So Connor McMichael's done a really good job of back checking. Um, and really getting into the corners and winning puck battles. Um, he's had some good goals. He had a couple of points here in the Rochester series. But Connor's game is really starting, as you say, to mature and becoming a well-rounded character and developing those skills. Again, willing to go into the corner, willing to go into the boards and get those 50-50 puck battles, as well as jump up on the rush and create and create uh, plays and score as well. So it's been really nice to see him grow during, during the season as to someone who was really offensive minded to start to become the well-rounded player that the caps had in mind when they drafted him in the first round. Yeah. And just taking a look at the bears in total, it is a team that dominated the entire season. Uh, this past season, Hershey was a dominant force in the AHL's Atlantic division this season, posting a 44, 19, five and four record, 97 points to earn the divisions, a number two seed in the first round by. Um, so it has been, you know, they've just been kind of just going steamrolling everyone this past season. You talked about net minding there before uh, the bears are in a bit of an interesting position. Position when it comes to Hunter Shepard and Zach Fukale. If we would have talked about this last year, I think we would have said that Zach Fukale was kind of the dominant uh, goaltender, but this year it has been Hunter Shepard. Both of those goalies are unrestricted free agents at the end of the season. Corey, I'm going to go with you here to start off here. Who do they sign? Do they sign them both? Do they let one of them go? If you were the GM of the team right now, who would you sign to be uh, one of the goalies? That would it be Shepard or Fukale? I, well, I I love both the guys, so it's hard for me to pick one, not the other, honestly. But I'd have to go with Hunter Shepard, you know, alone for this performance. He's kind of been a you know a diamond in the rough at the Bears. Fine, and it's hard to even call it in the rough because I mean he's he was so brilliant during his college, you know, his tenure in college with the University of Minnesota Duluth, won two NCAA championships in a row, probably would have won a third, you know, had the 2019-20 season been able to be completed. 
And, you know, the Bears kind of picked him up for, you know, almost nothing on an AHL contract. He was impressive in a brief stint. You know, if I recall correctly, his first game back in the, you know, 2020, 2021 season was a was a shutout in his very first game. And, you know, he kind of had to play out until the Capitals let Phoenix Copley walk last season. And he's been, you know, stepped in seamlessly to create this great tandem with Zach Fucale. But I think what you really have to consider is that the Capitals have a logjam of goaltenders in their prospect pipeline, right? We've seen Clay Stevenson kind of take a little bit of the route that Hunter Shepard did, you know, being in South Carolina for a long time. And, you know, getting a couple of starts here and there when Fucale or Shepard were either, you know, injured or recalled one or the other. And, you know, Clay Stevenson's been fantastic. And he's a guy that, you know, uh, I think the Capitals want to see make that leap to the the AHL ranks here sooner rather than later, just to, you know, kind of keep that that pipeline rolling. So I would say I would lean towards Hunter Shepard over Zach Fucale, but both those guys are very beloved down here in Hershey. You know, Fucale is a fan favorite here, you know a very, you know, exuberant guy, you know, he's always talking, you know, you can hear him almost anywhere on where you're sitting on the ice there, just because he's, he's a very vocal guy. And so, you know, very well liked here, you know, if sentimentality signed contracts, I would say they would sign both honestly, but you know, if it's going to work out that way, I think you're going to see Clay Stevenson probably make that leap next season. All right, Richard, how about you? It takes two goalies ultimately to win these series. If you want to even take a look back to 2018 when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, it took Grubauer and Holpe. When Holpe faltered, Grubauer came in. I think that could potentially be the same way for the Bears as they make their push here. Talk to me about the net minding. What are your thoughts on it? Are you going all in on Fukale or should Hunter Shepard get be in the limelight there? Well, it shows just how the NHL landscape has changed. Gone are the days of the workhorse goaltender, with the exception of some guys in the NHL like um, Andre Vasilevsky, a guy you could give 80% of the games to during the season. Um, but uh, Hunter Hunter's just been played so well in this postseason. And I said this on, on my show when I recorded earlier today, that, that, yeah, jokingly among my friends, I threw out the idea of maybe Zach going in game six. And um, boy, was I ever wrong. Hunter Shepard just coming out there with a shutout. And when you can have a goalie who can just say, put me back out there, I want that limelight. That's something that that you really want. But this is literally a 1A and a 1B situation where both, both guys are really good. They are both steady net minders, and it makes it a really tough choice to really – like you say, decide who stays. And I agree with Corey. I'd lean toward Hunter Shepard, who seems to have a little bit more of an upside than Fukali, but it's it's neck and neck. It's one it's one A and one B. And whoever goes, Clay Stevenson's gonna step up and take and take that wall as well. So it's just it, it's a it's a decision that thank goodness is way above my pay grade that I don't have to make. But if you're asking me of the choice, I think Hunter Shepard has earned and deserves that right to to stick around. And nothing against Zach Fucali. It's just that's hockey, per se. That's what happens. Goalies will come in, take the spotlight, and take the crease sometimes. It's just business. And that's what the Bears are ultimately going to need to win this series because it's going to be tough. They've made it this far. They've got to find a way to, to close it out here, uh, and we're hoping that they can do that. All right, so coming up after the break here, we will talk about Ethan Frank, a guy who just kind of blew up this last season but was a healthy scratch. We'll talk about that when Locked On Capitals continues. 
For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure and subscribe or follow Locked On Capitals wherever you find your podcasts and on YouTube, as I have a lot of great guests up like Corey and Richard on today. I also will be covering the draft in free agency, so make sure and subscribe to Locked On Capitals today. All right, welcome back into this edition. In this episode, we have Corey and Richard on the show talking some Hershey Bears. And let's talk about one player in particular that kind of just, you know, took everyone by storm this last season, Ethan Frank. And then he got that new contract and he kind of took a little bit of dip in production. Corey, I'll start with you on here. We spoke in a bit of the Purdy interview here is that potentially it could be, you know, Scarbosa and playing with Vecchioni, that kind of thing. What do you uh, think that ultimately is behind Ethan Frank's decline? It's kind of a combination of things, in my opinion. I mean, I think that the usage has changed a little bit in the absence of Mike Scarbosa. I mean, it was such a a natural fit. One of the lines that, you know, was rarely ever messed with over the course of the regular season was uh, Mike Scarbosa, Mike Vecchioni, and Ethan Frank. It was the top power play unit. You know, there was a, a for quite some time a five forward power play unit with, you know, those three guys as well as Connor McMichael usually taking center stage in that respect. And, uh, you know, they had a good setup, you know, Ethan Frank would set up in, you know, what you'd call the Alex Ovechkin spot for those one-timers uh, with Mike Scarbosa kind of providing that opposite side on the wing there for, you know, just getting pucks to the net hard and, you know, accurately. And ever since Mike Scarbosa went down with injury at the tail end of the Charlotte series, that would be the first round for Hershey's second overall uh, round for the American Hockey League in the unusual format they have there. Um the usage has just changed a little bit and it's maybe just not fallen to Ethan quite as easily or, you know, as naturally is probably the right way to say it as it did in the regular season, right? Where it's just been a little bit more challenging. He's had to, you know, focus on playing a little bit more five on five hockey, you know, just, you know, creating the scoring chances. And it hasn't been easy for any player on the bears really, you know, it's, not as though he's died off, you know, with scoring and, you know, the rest of that line's been scoring every game. It's been a little bit of everybody's, you know, had games where they've, you know, they've shined and then, you know, somebody else shines in a, a different respect. It just has been a different animal, I think, altogether for Ethan. And, you know, it's it's a learning curve, right? You know, he's only in his first full American Hockey League season. Bumps will happen along the line. It truly, you know, stinks with a lot of guys, you know, looking at this playoff as maybe a, a, another audition, so to speak, for NHL jobs in the fall type of thing. But I think that he's going to get his looks in the NHL no matter what. It's too good for a regular season to ignore. You know, there's still opportunity here if he gets in the lineup here for him to you know, make that kind of contribution. But I think it's just a learning curve of the league. And as you know, I think they mentioned on the air a couple of broadcasts for games 
you just kind of have to settle down and play your game and not think about it too much and, you know, let those results flow and, you know, not grip your stick too tight. Yeah. And one of the things that I was reading on here and just kind of, well, we'll start off by looking at some of his stats here, uh, posting 30 goals and 19 assists and 57 games played. Uh, but then uh, Frank was kind of a no-show posting no goals and just two assists and 10 playoff games. Frank's shot production is also way down. So Richard, for you, what is it? about Ethan Frank that, you know, like I said, he kind of took the Capitals organization by storm. Everyone was talking about Ethan Frank. What gives? I think, I, I personally think it's two things. Uh, one, it's playoffs. Um, what tends to happen in, especially in the NHL, is that your top scores get neutralized once you get into the post postseason. And for the Bears, I mean, Scarbos is out with injury. And Ethan's been neutralized as well. That's where your depth comes in comes into play, and the Bears have shown that they have that in in spades. So I agree with Corey a, a bit that it's that yes, um, it's his first full playoffs. It's get it's going on a cold streak. Maybe it's not the best time to happen as well. But I think Ethan might be having a lingering effect from a shoulder injury he got in Toronto at the end of March. He took a, a nasty shoulder hit um, during a, a road trip, and I think there's something there. It would not surprise me whenever the Bears season ends, whenever it is, we get one of those reports, and you and Dan, you being in the NHL, you hear these all the time, at the end of the season, oh, such and such player was playing with the torn ACL or somebody was playing with the separated shoulder. It wouldn't surprise me if we hear from Ethan that, oh, he had a separated shoulder the entire postseason or a torn oblique or something like that and might need surgery during the offseason. So I think there is a lingering injury effect that nobody's talking about. Yeah, one of the other things I was uh, reading here was that Frank could be tiring. There's a good chance he could be hitting a wall. Frank has played 67 games so far this season, by far the most games he's played in a single season in his entire career. In fact, Frank has averaged about 35 games a season, nearly half the games of this season, going back to the 16-17 series. Hitting the AHL, AHL rookie wall is a real thing and can happen at any time during the season. It's likely Frank is dealing with some of that. So, Corey, do you think that, you know, being that he is playing more games that he has played in the past, do you think that he could potentially be hitting that rookie wall? Well, it's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility for it, for sure. I mean, it's it's an interesting beast, the AHL, because it's, you know, taking a leap from any, you know, any of the leagues, whether it be collegiate as he took it, the, you know, Quebec, you know, the, the Canadian Hockey League, I'm sorry, um, you know, even overseas, it's all different styles. It's, you know, the AHL is much closer to the, you know, the NHL level. I agree with Richard in a lot of ways. You know, I think there's a lot of, you know, smaller factors here that I think maybe just be snowballing a little bit. You saw Ethan Frank score a hat trick in the final game of the regular season, you know, kind of his, his you know, his grandest moment yet of the season. And that's been the last time he scored a goal. It's fascinating looking at the list now because he's one of the few players to not have a goal in the postseason. which, you know, I'm not a betting man. I don't think I would have ever bet that in, the, in my life, you know, going into the playoffs in a sense, I think it is a little bit of a wall, but I think it is just, you know, he's still probably dealing with the lingering effects of that shoulder or wrist injury that he was dealing with. And, you know, it's his, his dominant hand is, you know, lower right hand type of thing. Um, 
but you know he's looked his same you know speedy self from what i've seen in you know game action from him um you know he's getting on the forecheck it's just harder it's a harder harder hockey than what i think we've seen in the regular season i think that factors in on some of these younger guys i mean you know you see guys like mcmichael get neutralized hendrix lapierre get neutralized at times but both those guys have made contributions that have been away from the score sheet at times. Now, obviously Ethan Frank's been a scratch a couple of times. So I think that, you know, head coach Todd Nelson maybe wants to see a little bit more from him in different respects there, but you know, it's just, you know, it's not going to be those pretty, you know, dangly kind of goals, you know, hard one-time shots that, you know, I think Frank is accustomed to scoring on a bit, you know, it hasn't fallen that way. It's, it's a harder brand of hockey, you know, it, it's it's just a different animal. And I think that it's a learning curve for Ethan, but it's an important one for him is he's still, you know, a very young guy with, you know, plenty of room for growth. We saw Hendricks LaPierre do the same thing earlier in the season for Hershey. They're, they're young guys and they're going to have bumps like this, but the true measure is how they respond to it. We saw LaPierre respond really well to it. He's been great ever since. And, you know, like you said, it's a little bit of wall. Now it's Ethan Frank's turn, I think. All right, so coming up after the break here, we will talk about the games coming up and what do the Bears have to do to win? We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, we are joined by Corey Swartz and Richard Blosser. So guys, let's talk about the games that are coming up. It is going to be potentially either against the Firebirds or the Admirals. Do I have that right? Um, so is there a team that you want to them to play? Uh, would you prefer they take on the Admirals or, I mean, do you have any opinion on that? Uh, me personally, I think the Bears would match up better against the Milwaukee Admirals, um, who do have a uh, Luke uh, Evangelista, the top prospect for the Nashville Predators. And most likely I messed up that name when I said it. Um, but they also have a former Lehigh Valley Phantom, uh, Isaac Ratcliffe there as well. And a few other uh, Nashville prospects as, as well. Um, when you talk about the Coachella Valley Firebirds, they are just veteran loaded and a lot of players that the bears are from are familiar with. And Corey listed a bunch of them in his latest blog, uh, blog post, um, Cole, uh, Lind, Andrew Pultatorinsky, uh, Joey Decord, who spent time up in Seattle, Shane Wright, um, the third or fourth overall pick last year, if my memory serves me correctly, mm -hmm. um, is with them as well. And they, they are just absolutely loaded. And they and it was between them and the Calgary Wranglers to who is probably going to come out of the West. So um, if it is the Firebirds, who at the time of this recording is up three games to two in the series, it will be a very tough series for the Bears facing a lot of offensive firepower, per se. I'd like to see them up against Milwaukee. But a little interesting note there, Dan, that if it is Coachella Valley, it will be the oldest team in the league, the Hershey Bears, versus the youngest team in the league, Coachella Valley, who just came into the league this year. Yeah, it's crazy to, to think about. And, and they're definitely going to have their work cut out for them. Corey, what about you? Do you think the Bears would fare better against the uh, Firebirds, or do you think they would uh, fare better against the Admirals? 
I think both teams are very good. It's going to be a tall test no matter who the Bears get, right? And, you know, selfishly, I would go with Milwaukee as well. I echo Richard's sentiments there that, you know, you want to avoid some of these guys that have given the Bears fits over the years. You know, Podorowski's one of them. Max McCormick is another one. A lot of these guys are familiar um, familiar foes based on that one year over in Charlotte they had before the Coachella Valley Firebirds were able to come into existence. So that's a known quantity you know, another demon to exercise to take a John Walton term there, uh, hmm. certainly. But um, my my big thing is that, you know, I'm, I'm going to go the selfish route. If Milwaukee wins, the Bears will have home ice advantage in the Calder Cup finals. If Coachella Valley wins, they will have home ice advantage and the Bears will have to start out in Palm Springs, California. So selfishly, I don't want the Bears to have to deal with going cross country um essentially to to deal with the opening to that series i want to have you know what would likely be a two three two um series with two the first two and last two games in hershey you know um just going that just looking at it on paper you know i think the biggest x factor to me if they were to play milwaukee is that the admirals are icing former bear and you know former capitals prospect zach sanford as well was another name that kind of popped up that you know is an old friend type of situation there so uh, selfishly, I would pick Milwaukee, but Coachella Valley, I think, would be a fantastic test for the true metal of this Bears team defensively. They've been, you know, the hallmark of Hershey has been defense leading into strong offense. And Coachella Valley is kind of one of those teams they've been playing with fire all season long. You know, all their series preceding this, if it goes to seven games with Milwaukee, all of their series will have gone the max amount of games, right? They've had a lot of really close series, you know. I think the Bears would be their toughest opponent yet just because of the well-roundedness of Hershey's game. So I think that both teams would be a strong test, kind of contrasting but similar styles. Um, it would be a heck of a series either way. But I would like Milwaukee. I'm expecting Coachella Valley just because nothing is ever easy in the Calder Cup playoffs. How about you, Richard? What are the keys to success for the Hershey Bears to close the door and win another Calder Cup? I think what Corey said, it's right. It's the Bears are going to have to lean heavily on that defense. Um, we Thankfully, we just played a team that, that that is really good offensively in the Rochester Americans. Now, that was a team that lived and died by its power play, and they were a squad that was 40% going into the series against Hershey and ended up going one for 14 the entire series. And that, that plays into the Bears' penalty kill and a strong defensive – structure and goaltending and that's something that the bears are going to face again if they take on coachella valley is that their defense is going to have to again get in shooting lanes take away take away rushes by getting sticks and lanes and leaning heavily on hunter shepherd again they can't make the firebirds turn this into an offensive shootout and maybe do like what they did with rochester force the team to beat them at the bears game which is a strong defensive game so um, it's 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 going to take another strong defensive effort for them to bring the Calder Cup home. So, Corey, do you think they should go back to Ethan Frank in the lineup? It's a tough, ta- tough uh, decision to me. I think if the composition of the team were right, namely if Mike Scarbosa were able to go, I would say, yes, bring that trio back. At this point, though, I have a hard time saying – yes to it at this point only because when they did insert Ethan Frank into the lineup you know around the time we saw it in game five 
it saw a lot of line changes. And I'm a, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? You know, uh, when Scarbosa went down, Henrik Borgstrom came into the lineup and essentially took Mike Scarbosa's place in the top line. And the rest of the lines stayed the same, by and large. You know, we've had to have a little bit of lineup juggling. You know, Mason Morelli moved up to that top line in Ethan Frank's stead. And I think he's a, you know, capable player that can play that line. I liked him on the fourth line a little bit more, but I think if you can kind of get that trio together, yes, I would love to see them back together. But if it started tomorrow and Mike Scarbosa can't go, I would 100% say leave it the same as game six, just because it's, you know, it's one of those things we don't need to mess with it. We need to, you know, just go with what works here. Um, I wouldn't make any changes if I'm Todd Nelson. Okay, and then I'll ask you that question. I I, th- I think it's a no-brainer. I think I already know the answer, but you're going with Hunter Shepard in game one? Oh, 100%. Yes, he's shown the ability. He's earned the right to be here in my book, you know, many times over the responses we talked about earlier to having a tough game, you know, struggling in, you know, a certain situation. He was pulled in the game five loss, I believe, if memory serves me right. Um, or that could have been game one, actually, the more I think about it. Um, but either game way, one. he's... Res- yeah, game one. That's right. I've got my losses mixed up there. Um, you know, but he's responded so well. He, like Richard said, he responded with shutouts both times. I don't see any reason to change that in the slightest. I don't think you would change it, period, honestly. You know, it would have to take a pretty, you know, monumental. We saw it with Milwaukee. Uh, it took two losses, you know, for Yaroslav Askarov to, you know, be swapped out in favor of Devin Cooley in that series. You know, it's going to take something monumental or something to, you know, really say that this guy can't go back here. And, you know, Hunter Shepard has been far from that in this playoff in my mind. All right, guys, I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Richard, where can we find your work? Um, You can find the Grit and Barrett podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, It's on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, um, Amazon just put us on as well, and Amazon Podcast as well. Um, also on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1. I post all the new episodes on there. And um, new episodes are Monday, and especially during the playoffs, whenever needed. All right, Richard, thank you for joining us. And Corey, where can we find you online? Well, you can find my work at HBH Nation blog over on Twitter. That's where the majority of the game day content goes. Um, over at FPH Bears, it's if you're watching it, it's right below my name there for um, for all the content related to field pass hockey that I publish over there. I'm also a recurring character on the Holy Grail G-R-A-H-L podcast as well. So we do a lot of fun things. We were doing a, a game watch party a couple of times there. So if there's a road game, maybe we'll get in on that again, possibly. But uh, but yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff here in the weeks leading up time leading up to the Bears series starting here in the Calder Cup finals. All right, guys, let's hope for a big win. Let's hope for another Calder Cup win for the Hershey Bears. Let's hear it. Let's go, Bears. Come on, let me yeah. hear you guys say it. Let's go, Bears. Let's go, Bears. Let's go Bears. Ah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I want to thank you once again for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals. When you're done listening to this podcast, if you're a fan of other D.C. sports, head on over to Locked On Nationals, Wizards, or Commanders. We have you covered on all the D.C. sports. All right, my name is Dan Holmey of Locked On Capitals, where it is your team every day. And I'll talk to you again next time.